Welcome to our first Q&A podcast. Our guest today is Crystal Giles, author of Take Back the Block, and our panel consists of our very own Bookish Society students. If you like it, be sure to leave us a review or rating wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, here we go. Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. All right. Well, now this is actually better. I'm glad we waited. This is a decent amount of people. Hey, Wesley. Hi. Hi. Okay. So now we're going to start. And if anybody else comes in, I will just let them in silently. (laughs) I will silently answer the door. So bookish kids, I want to introduce you to, to, are we calling you? Are we calling you by your first name or you can call me by my first name? Okay. This is Crystal. (laughs) Crystal is a real life author. And she has written this awesome book that a lot of you have read called Take Back the Block. And we're so, so happy to have you with us. I'm going to start out. Well, first of all, I don't know. Let's see. Crystal, what do you did you have anything you wanted to start with before I just start slamming you with questions? (laughs) No, you can start. However, Um, thank you guys for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, So exciting. Yeah, I love book clubs, so I guess I will try to answer all of your questions. Let's see what you have. All right, so we're going to start off with, does this book happen in Charlotte, North Carolina? That's a great question. So I do not formally tell you the city that the book's in. So if you read it and you were looking for a city, it's not there. It is loosely based on my hometown, which is Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I did not set it there because I point out a couple very specific places in the city and I made them up. And so if you're from my city, you may go, that's not real. So I didn't want to set it there. And then there's a couple intersections that don't quite match. So I decided to not put it in a city. And then the other reason is because I didn't want people to think that the topics happening in this city are only happening in my city. I wanted people to think about where they live and does it sound familiar where you live too? So those are the reasons I didn't set it in a city, but it's loosely based on Charlotte. All right. Jenny, did you want to ask your own question? What inspired you to write it? So that's a great question. I was inspired by my city. So you can tell that in the book, this neighborhood is changing and lots of stuff is happening around it. And that was the same thing that's happening in my city. Um, Lots of neighborhoods are changing. Places that I went to school um, look very different. Places that I visited as a young person, some of my favorite places are gone or they look very different than they did when I was growing up. So I was inspired by my own town. And so I wanted to take a young kid and put him in a neighborhood and see up close what it felt like to change. So I was inspired by that. That was a really good question, though. Yeah, that's a good 
thing to be inspired by too. It's true. Yeah. Kenley, did you have a question? Uh, you want me to go with one of the ones we wrote down? Oh, I have yeah. one. Um, you have one? Okay, go ahead. Were any of the characters based off of um, people you know? Well, that's a great question. I, so I think a lot of the characters are like a blend of people. So I'm a little bit like Wes in that um, my mom was always taking me to places that I didn't necessarily want to go to. So uh, I'm a little bit like him. I was always at a community event or sometimes I was at a church event and I really just wanted to be at home. So I'm a little bit like Wes. Like Alyssa, I loved math in school. So I'm kind of like her and everyone else just kind of with little pieces of my friends and family got kind of thrown into the mix. That makes sense. Uh, Wesley? Um, which character is your favorite? And I like the name because it's my name in the age. I love that. Um, so I'll tell you a story about how I came up with the name Wes or Wesley. So I have a son and his name's Ezra. And when we were thinking of names for him, I really liked the name Wesley. But my husband didn't necessarily like it very much. So instead, I decided to name my first book baby Wesley. So that's how we got Wes. Um, yeah. which, which I think is a very cool name. So. I don't know that I have a favorite character. Of course, I love Wes, and so I guess he's my favorite. After him, I don't know that I can choose. Like I said, I, I feel like I can see myself in Alyssa. I think Brent is very funny, and so I love when he's on the page. He made me laugh a lot. And I also kind of like that Jasper was kind of quiet, and he likes music, and so I like that too. Um, and I actually really like writing Maya. She's not the most friendly character, but I really like writing her too. So I don't know oh. if I have a favorite. Yeah, that makes sense. It's It would be really hard to choose. Yes, for sure. Uh, can I say my question now? Yes, go ahead, Evan. <laughs> Why didn't you put any dogs in? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. Um... I have no idea why there's no dogs. I guess I just didn't think about it. Yeah, they were wondering why no kids had pets. That's a great question. I there don't know. Just turned out like that. Yeah, it just turned out like that. Um, there was a frog, but that's it. <laughs> there, there was uh, a frog. He didn't make it, but there was a frog. <laughs> <laughs> then you get on one of those sites where they're like, sad warning. <laughs> sad, sad pet warning. All right, Nicholas, I know you had a question. Do you want to ask while you get while you still have internet there? Uh, are you going to have a second book? Yes, I am working on my second book now and I'm excited about it and it's been really hard to write. So um, writing is hard. And, and, if, and if you write anything or if you ever try to write anything, you'll you'll know it's really hard. So I am writing a second book and it'll be out probably next year, maybe early 2023. It takes a really long time to write a book and have it come out into the world. Yeah. So, oh, I have a question. Does it have anything to do with TikTok the Block or no? It does not. So it's a completely separate story in a completely separate place. But it is middle grade, so it's right in the age range that you can read it to. And it's a, and it's a book I'm really excited about. 
Nicholas, do you want to ask your other question? I wrote it down for you. Oh. Oh yeah. Um, I think it was something about writing a next book. Um, no. Is the next character? No, it was about Wes and Alyssa. Oh yeah. Uh, in the book, I feel like um Wesley and Alyssa sort of like each other. Did you make it like that? Yes, I did. I I didn't want it to be like an official crush, but Wes definitely has a has a little thing for Alyssa. And really their friendship just started to get closer and closer and closer. And so I did do that on purpose. See, we asked the we asked the hard-hitting questions here. Absolutely. <laughs> Wesley, you got another one? What's your new book gonna be called? Oh yeah. What's your new book gonna be called? Oh that you know, okay. So I just have to tell you that's a great question. And there's a little bit of drama around the title of my second book. We do not have an official title. And and I can tell you that it's really late in the game. The book will be I out soon. I still love it. <laughs> I still love it. <laughs> and we don't have so there's here's a really cool thing to know. Authors sometimes come up with the titles of their books. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't have control over it. So I've been writing my second book and I have a list of like 200 titles that I can't decide on. And so I haven't decided what the title will be. So it'll it'll have to have a title before it comes out, but we're still trying to figure it out. That was not the case with Take Back the Black. I knew what it was. Um, where it appears in the book is where I found it, and it never changed. Um, and I was lucky that that happened, but it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, when we were uh, discussing the book yesterday, we were talking about like the whole resolution at the end and how we were all, as readers, kind of worried that they weren't going to get to take back the block you know and i was telling the kids that a lot of times that is what happens there's like there's like corporations or developers and they just they just kind of bulldoze their way through and it doesn't really matter how much you protest absolutely and yeah. you know even even with this book i wanted to make sure that we had some different endings so wes got to stay in his home but Brent didn't. His family chose differently. Um, the situation with Kari's family was different as well. And so each of those solutions are a little bit different. And so, like you said, it's all it's not always a happy ending. Um, and so in this story, each of the characters kind of had a, a little bit different twist to how they exist moving forward. Yeah, but that's like real life. I mean, everybody's yeah, family ends up, you know, making different choices. So. Um, one of the questions I've written down, and I can't remember you guys who said it, but, oh, I think it was Connor. How many drafts was this? Oh, that's a great question. I started writing this book in 2017. It's a long time ago. Um, how old were you in 2017? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I started in 2017. <laughs> I'd imagine that I'm so, I was somewhere at probably 10 or 11 drafts. And then after the book got signed on to be a project, it's called Being Acquired. After that happened, I probably went through another four drafts with my editor. So many, many drafts over, over, over years. Yeah, it takes a long time to make a book. Bridget, go ahead. 
How long did it take you to make the book? So my first draft took me about five weeks, but it was very short and it was not very good. It was about half the length that the final book was. It was very short. It took me about a year to edit it the first time. And I had lots and lots of drafts after that. Um, And then I had to try to find a publishing company, an agent and a publishing company who would help me bring it to the world. And then after that, I had many more revision drafts. So I hope that answers your question. All right. The other thing we were talking about was on the cover. And I know you have nothing to do with the cover, (laughs) but we were talking about how this is a super colorful city. It is. So covers, covers are a fun thing for authors because... Um, like Ms. Jen said, sometimes we have nothing to do with it. Um, they did ask me what I wanted to see and what I didn't want to see. And so I had a little bit of input and then they hired an artist and I got to see sketches. Luckily, I like the sketches, right? Um, and so I did tell them that I would like the oaks to be on the front of the book. I thought it would be really cool to see the city on the front of the book. Okay. And so originally the houses on the book were like really big houses and they were two story and they didn't really look like my city. And so I said, in Charlotte, we aren't in the North, we aren't in New York. So there aren't a whole lot of high rises. There are some, but that's not what everyone lives in. So they revised it to look more like a neighborhood. Then something really cool. They put the skyline of my city in the back right here. Oh, right. They added that in later. And I was so excited because that actually is the skyline for my city. So I did get a little bit of input there. Um, Really, I think they wanted to bring bold and also soothing colors because some of the topics in the book are a little heavy. And so I don't know. That's just my thought is that they wanted... um, West up front, which I wanted. And then I, I think the color um, really just brings brightness. And I think it brings a pop that maybe will attract readers to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nicholas, go ahead. I see your hand up. Um, How long did it take you to like finish the book and like not let the no, publishers do their stuff? So when you when you sign on. You usually have a schedule. It takes about a year and a half or two years. And so I had about a year to get to get it all perfect. And so I worked with my editor to get it perfect. And then they have to do a rollout, which is it feels like a very long time, but it takes months for them to get the cover, for them to um, start to market it and put it out in the world for people to see it. And then they've got to get it printed. And all of that. So that part took about six months. Yeah, it takes a long time. Um, I didn't also, I think this was Connor I wrote down. Oh, I think he's gone now. He keeps, oh, Connor, are you here? Yeah. Did you have a question? Um, yeah. Are you going to make another book about Kari? There you go. Oh, that's a great question. So I, ha- I do not have a book about Kari. 
what I my second book is inspired by him though. I, I absolutely love Kari. Yes. Um he's he's a character that kind of stuck in my heart over and over. And so I, I don't have a book about him. Um I can't say I would never will, but I don't. But the the main character in my second book is kind of inspired by him. So when you get a chance to read my second book, you'll you'll think about Kari and you'll think about his story. That's a great question. That is a great question. Yeah, I really like Kari too. Yeah. And we were talking about how at first the kids were saying it would be super fun to live in a hotel until we all started really thinking about it. It's not a vacation. Yeah. Absolutely. So it wouldn't actually be that fun after a while. Um, hey, was Miss Monica a real person? She's not a real person. No. <laughs> she seems like she could be. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted Wes to listen to someone that wasn't his parents. I think sometimes kids don't really want to listen to what their parents have to say. And so I wanted another adult outside of um, his family to be someone that he could kind of go to for guidance. And yeah, so yeah. she she was good for that. And also Mr. Baker was good for that. All right. Uh, Nicholas, is that your hand up again? No. Okay. Evan, is that your hand up? No. 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 All right. Who else? Uh, I know your name's not Emily, you silly boy. <laughs> now I have a question. Oh, okay. Is there actually like some organization that is like similar to Save Your City? Oh, that's a great question. So I think each city probably has different organizations. In my city, there are a few that work with local communities to do a lot of different things. And there's a few that um, I donate to and a few that I support. And so I think the best way to learn about things happening in your own communities is to find the organizations that do it. I think each city is trying to fight against um, and try to preserve history. So sometimes there are organizations that help the homeless population. There are some organizations that help with making sure families have access to food and things like that. One in my town is called the Crisis Assistance Ministry, and you can go there for just about anything and they'll help you. So I would say in your local community, you probably have lots of organizations. Um, Save Our City is a fake one. I created it, but I bet where you live, there's one very similar. All right. Uh, Caleb, first. I know you've been waiting. Caleb's feeling nervous to ask his question, so I'm going to ask his question if that's okay. That works. Okay. Uh, he has two questions. One, he wants to know what made you think of West liking puzzles? And the second one, he wants to know, wait, what was your other one? Oh, how did you think of Pippin, Mr. Oh, Pippin? Mr. Pippin. Okay. Oh, these are great questions. So puzzles. I started to think about something that would bring the pieces together. So all of this stuff started happening in the book. You had some families moving away, some wanting to stay. Um, Wes was also kind of having some issues with some of his friends like Brent. And so I thought about what was a good way to bring things together. And then puzzles popped into my mind. So for me, puzzles was a good way to have like an actual tangible thing that he could do, but also the theme of putting things back together. 
So that's how I came up with puzzles. So Mr. Pippin, he's also a fictional character. But when I thought about the history of communities, particularly communities that are um, started, originated, or occupied by people of color, oftentimes we don't know that history. It's either erased or forgotten. And so I thought about something that would tie Wes and his family to his community. And so I got the idea of what if there was an ancestor out there that was somewhat connected to the community? And so I decided to create a character that had historical ties that we didn't know about. And so there was a bit of a a journey that Wes went on and also wanted him to research and go to the library. And so all of those things kind of came into play and Mr. Pippin was born. That's really cool. I would have guessed that he might have been real too for some reason. See, I just I just want to believe everything is historical <laughs> fiction. Okay. It's yeah. all it's all real to me. Bridget, what do you got? Like you said, there was usually you could go to your local community and they might have something. What if you don't live somewhere that's within uh city borders like me? That's I a literally great question. not live. That's why we have to pay for all library cards. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, that's a really good question. So the the issue that we talk about in the book, gentrification, it feels like a city issue because it it's mostly surrounding like a center and it's usually a city center. But there are or there are other causes that can happen around you in rural areas. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in rural areas you have things like um Counties being annexed, you have um, like major highways coming in, big stores, things like that. And so these things can also be important to your local town. And so you can think of any cause or anything important that's happening in your local area and support that. Also, if, if you are next to a larger city, they likely have something, even if it's not your direct town. So I would personally recommend thinking of something that impacts your own space, because when you learn about stuff that's happening right around you, you get to broaden um, your thoughts, you get to connect with your neighbors. So if there's anything happening in your local town, I'd say research that too. I guarantee you there's something. That was a really good question, Bridget. Caleb, do you have another question? Oh, um, what made you think of the fountain? Like, it was it based on something you had seen before, or something like that? Um, that's another great question. Oh my goodness! So, back to the point of like tying in historical things. I researched a lot of things in my own city, and there were very, um, very influential people who had done a lot of things in my city, and I myself either didn't know about them or heard different, um different myths, but not exact truths. So I researched that during the process of the book. Um, I also wanted to use the fountain for a couple of reasons. Um, during the time that Mr. Pippin would have been in this community, there likely were issues with segregation. And in any of that research, you usually see the fountain as a point where they're separate. And so I really wanted to use um, a marker that was important enough historically, but also something that we could use to take back. 
And so the fountain was very important to me for symbolism as a way to take back that particular marker and have it be the connection from past to present. That's a really good question. I don't think anyone has ever asked me about the fountain. Um, so it's kind of symbolic in a way. Um, and so it's, it's an important piece of connecting history to present. Nice. Um, Connor, did you have a question? What made you like, or what did you make Wes like basketball? Oh, that's a good question, too. I kind of like basketball myself. I don't play and I'm not that good, but I love to watch. So having him like basketball was probably just because I like it myself. All right. Kenley, you had your hand up. Um, when did you know you wanted to be an author? That's a great question. So like you, when I was very young, I read all kinds of books. And I never really thought about writing a lot, but I read lots and lots of books. Um, and I told you I like math. So I went to school to be an accountant. And so I learned finance and all of that. And that's what I did. Um, and then when my son was born, I wanted him to be a reader like I was. And so I started reading lots of books to him. And I also realized that I wanted him to have more books that represented our family. And I couldn't find those. So I decided to write. And that seems kind of ambitious. And I didn't quite know what to do. So I tried really hard. I made a lot of mistakes, but I kept going. And I wrote a poem in that book right back there. And then Take Back the Block is my first official novel. So I decided to try something different. And so that's kind of how I started writing. All right, Wesley. Sorry. Um, what inspired you to make like drip the <laughs> bully from the... Yeah. Because um, he was I... so mean. I was like, drip? He's so mean. Why couldn't he... Because his name is so mean. Because <laughs> it sounds like a mean word. It sort of does. <laughs> so, I'm like, when I read, I accidentally said that. So I was like, wait, nope. So, yeah. So I, I wanted the neighborhood to feel real. I wanted the kids to feel real. I wanted the neighbors to feel real. And so if we're being honest, right, normally there is a kid that's oh, not cool. very nice. Sometimes they're yeah. older. Um, yeah. And so I wanted the neighborhood to feel realistic. And so Drip is who I decided to bring into the story um, to make the neighborhood feel realistic. Um, and so he was kind of the mean kid. The good news is he's only there like in one scene. He, he doesn't really come back. I was like so. happy. That, I was sad that he lost his ball, but I was actually happy that like, no more trip. <laughs> Wes is like, poof, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> All right, Bye -bye. Jenny, you're up next. Um, in a lot of books, they don't really make the kids act very real. So how did you know how to make the kids act? Oh, that's a great question. It was very, very important to me to make the kids feel real. That's one of the major reasons I write. I, I don't want to have 
kids in a book that don't feel real. So I thought about who I was as a kid. I thought about the kids that I know. I thought about my son. And I built each of the kids in layers. So first, I knew I wanted Wes to be really fashionable. I wanted him to like sneakers and things like that. Then I also wanted him to want something really badly because that makes that makes it real. So I wanted him to want his home. But as we know, sometimes we have really good qualities and sometimes we have some not so great qualities. And so I wanted Wes to also have some things he was struggling with. And, you know, he was a little bit jealous of Maya. He wasn't the greatest friend to Kari. And so when you give your characters real qualities, even if they're not, even if they aren't good, it makes your characters feel more real. Um, and so I kind of built all of the characters in layers. And when you get finished, hopefully you've got a real character and they feel like a real person. Um, and so that's really, really, really important to me. All right, Bridget. What inspired you to write the book um, about where you grew up and why, why, why was it, why did you write it somewhere like, why did you write it somewhere in a city? So I grew up, I grew up in the city that I live in. I've lived here my whole life. And so I feel really connected to it. I feel really connected to what it was and what it is now. And community, I think is really important. Community is thinking about your neighbors. It's also thinking about the people who maybe you don't know. And so when we're all connected to what's going on around us, it gives us a wider view. And so I started to think about everyone in my city and and I started to really feel bad about people who were being displaced or kicked out of their homes. I started to feel really bad about people that were having home insecurity or sometimes we call it homelessness. And I really wanted to talk about the issues that make that happen. So I really just had a heart and a caring for my my city. So that's what inspired me to to write a story kind of based on it. That's really cool. And I know my dad is working on a project to help people whose houses burned down in the fire right now, which is why he's working out of town so much. Yeah. It's it's important that we think about other people, you know? It it connects us to to everything that's happening around us. So yeah. Ah. All right. Uh just a, we only have a couple more minutes. So Caleb, what do you got? Oh yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm his interpreter today. I know, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um oh the lumber mill. How did you think of the lumber mill? And then he also asked, how is Mr. Hank so old, but he didn't know about Pippin? (laughs) Plot hole. That's great. So (laughs) these are great questions. Okay. So when I, when you think about things that happen in a town around you, I live in North Carolina. And so um, there are, there were a lot of mill towns in the early, um, 1900s. And so uh, along the coast and then a little bit closer in, there were tons of mills and they were, you know, different types of mills. 
Um, and so lumber mills were kind of popular in my general area. So it just seemed realistic that there could have been a lumber mill that was there and then gone. So that's kind of how the lumber mill came up. Great question about Mr. Hank. So what we know about some of our elderly people, they you think they know everything, right? We think adults know everything and we expect them to know everything, but that's not always the case. So I thought it would be really, really cool for Wes to find the answer that no one else could find. And sometimes people think that's unrealistic, but I don't believe that. I think young people are creative and resourceful. You guys have the internet. You have all of these resources that not even I had growing up, right? If I had something I wanted to research, we had to go to encyclopedias and things like that. And so I think young people sometimes come up with many more creative ideas than older people. So I wanted to make sure Wes found the answer and not someone else. All right, Connor, you have a question? There's someone I was going to say. Oh, man. All right, let's let Wesley go first and then Connor. Why did you include that cop when the cop took Kari? Oh, oh yeah, that was really just. Yeah, it doesn't oh. really contribute to it. It doesn't really contribute to anything. So, uh, <laughs> a critic. I'll tell you. No, that's that's absolutely fine. So I'll tell you why I put it in. So this particular neighborhood, it's a neighborhood in the city in the city center, and you'll hear neighborhoods like that described as urban. And so, a lot of times, these things happen in the city center, and these spaces are usually occupied by people who have sometimes lower income or sometimes their neighborhoods don't get a lot of care. In that neighborhood, and particularly with um, gentrification, comes other things. And some of those other things are more police presence and what happens in sometimes areas where there are new police officers that don't know the neighborhood and that don't know the people that live there, sometimes there's conflict. And so I wanted to show a real life instance. And that instance, even though it seems really sad, it happens a lot. And even though it may not feel like it adds a lot to the story, it's a realistic look at what can happen in this neighborhood. And so it's really important to put eyes on things to make sure other people know they happen. So even if it doesn't feel like it's a thing that happens where you are, it does happen in this particular neighborhood. So I wanted to put in a realistic thing that happens every day in neighborhoods like the Oaks. There's, there's a lot of police tension and that can lead to things that make us sad. And so I wanted to make sure I put it in the book because it's a, it's a real life thing. That's a great question. Yeah. All right, Nicholas, you got a follow up there? Adding on a bit to the police thing, how come the police wasn't, like, familiar? Because Wes said he knew all the police guys. Was it from, like, some other city or, like, a brand-new hired guy? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So (laughs) that's another great question. So the issue with gentrification, um, when new people move into an area, oftentimes 
more police presence is needed. And sometimes it's not really needed, but the idea is that we have to protect the new people moving in and the new stores and the new spaces. So usually more police come in when there's gentrification. And so one of the things that I wanted to highlight is when you have community policing, which means there are police that know the community and know the people, you tend not to have a lot of tension. In this particular case, this officer was policing the newer areas and he didn't know Kari and West. Um, and that's, a, that's another real life issue that happens in certain neighborhoods. New things get brought in, new stores, new shops, new police who may not know the residents who've been there. So that's how we got a police officer who did not know Wes. That makes sense. All right. I think we are just about out of time, kids. So this was so fun. Thank you so much, Crystal, for coming. Thank <laughs> you. Amazing questions. You guys ask amazing questions. Bookish kids rock. Why do we have a few minutes? Well, because we can't be here all night. But <laughs> if you think of anything else, I can email it on, okay? Thank you. All right. Yeah. Can you guys all say thank, thank you? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, for your questions. Thank you for reading um, my book. And thank you for being readers. Um, we authors write for you. So thank you for being readers. Yeah. If you ever need a, a you know, a focus group, they'll, they'll tell you whether things are integral to your plot. I love it. No, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Put a dog in your next book. Put a dog in my next book. I got it. I have to have a pet or something. Yeah. You don't need to. Wait, Wesley, I couldn't hear you. What? Um, or Nicholas, I can't hear who's talking to me. <laughs> Someone. Someone somewhere. All right, kids. This was great. You did awesome. <laughs> Not too many off-topic questions. <laughs> no. I I was I was training them, so all right. All right, guys. Bye. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. This episode was sponsored by the Cicadas of Illinois that won't shut up and the Bookish Society. For more info about signing up your kids or your entire family, head over to thebookishsociety.com. See you next time. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic. 